0: Now, when I was praying in the sanctuary this week, the Holy Spirit spoke something to me that was so profound. You ever have that when you're in prayer or just meditating on the word and all of a sudden just something, a phrase or something hits you and it just kind of knocks you, knocks you over. You know what I'm saying? That's what happened to me this week. I knew it was him because the thoughts and words came like a flash of light in my heart, in my spirit. All right. When the holy spirit speaks something to you, there's an authority. There's a power attached to it that that lets you know It's not just your passing thought. Amen When he's really trying to get something across to you And, and I was focusing in and saying lord, what do you want me to share with the people this week? I always do that because I, I don't want it to come out of here. I want it to come out of here. Amen I said lord Show me, I want to speak that which will perfect the faith of those that are listening. Amen? That's always my prayer. This was the the phrase that I heard in my spirit that impacted me. Are you ready for this? It's so simple but profound. Here here it goes. Less is more. (laughs) Less is more and right after I heard that phrase a download of several points just came in my spirit of what the Holy Spirit wanted me to share with you all today all right so I mean I I know this is not an exhaustive list of everything that less is more but it's the stuff that the Holy Spirit wanted me to share with you today you get it right I mean I mean we can stay here till seven o'clock tonight if you want that's all right but I do I want to point this out too so I prayed in English, and I was praying in tongues. I prayed in tongues a lot. I've been upping my game in praying in tongues. And I cannot stress enough. By the way, this is a spirit-filled church. You know that, right? Yeah. Okay, good, good. I cannot stress enough the importance of using your prayer language and praying in tongues. All right? Because there's so much revelation that heaven is waiting to be down, downloaded into you. Amen. But we got to pull it in, amen? We got to be open for that revelation to come. So take advantage of that benefit and blessing, amen? So the title of my message today is this, When Less is More. When Less is More. When less of something in your life as a Christian is actually benefiting your Christian life. Are you getting it? You understand where I'm going here? So, again, this is not a complete list, but it's stuff that he want, the Holy Ghost wanted me to share. Here we go. The first point of less is more in the kingdom of God is less of us personally and more of Christ being manifested through us on a personal level. Go with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verses 30 and 31. Let's start this thing off here. When less is more. Oh, it's so backwards from the world, isn't it? Oh, the world says more, 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 more of everything. More, more, more. Nah, kingdom of God, don't say that. John 3, 30 through 31. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the, th- of the earth. Now, the greatest blockage or hindrance to God's plan. You want to know what that is? Your plan. (laughs) The greatest hindrance to God's plan in your life is your plan. Okay? That is. So, um... That's the greatest blockage hindrance to living a life that is filled with the anointing, filled with the Holy Spirit, and fully, fully allowing the Lord Jesus Christ to be manifested through us. Amen. Say, I am, I am the blockage. We are the blockage of that. Amen. We must decrease, and as we decrease, right, humble ourselves. Christ will increase in our lives john the baptist speaking under the unction of the holy spirit said that jesus must increase Uh, and, and that he must decrease decrease what we need to decrease our own selfish ambitions That are not in the plan of god for our life. Amen We are his ambassadors. We represent him. We don't represent ourselves. Amen Many Christians don't understand that concept, though. They don't understand the concept of decreasing and taking up their cross daily to follow Jesus. See, you must be selfless to follow Jesus Christ. You have to be selfless. But many are selfish. Amen? So many view that as a negative thing. But I'm telling you right now, the true blessing and power of the Christian life is found in complete surrender. To the will of God. Amen? If you will lose your own life, you will gain the abundant life. Amen? That's what Jesus was saying. So stop viewing everything from a fleshly and worldly standpoint. A worldly perspective. Because that is a trap from the pits of hell. Amen? It's a trap from the kingdom of darkness to keep you out from the will of God for your life. God's God has the best plan for your life. You agree. All right. Now listen to this. If any action or motivation has pride attached to it, it's your flesh and the enemy cooperating together. But we're called to cooperate with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Anything with pride attached to it, wanting it to do your way, instead of obeying the will of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit, it has the enemy's fingerprints all over it. You know the enemy has fingerprints, don't you know that? Amen? He has fingerprints all over this earth, right? In fact, listen to this. Pride was so powerful, pride was so deceptive, that one-third, 33% of the spiritual beings in a perfect heaven rebelled against God and got kicked out. Oh, oh, that bounced back at me. (laughs) 33% of the spiritual beings in a perfect heaven said, we want to conspire, we want to, We want to go with this this thing called Lucifer here. Think about that. Pride got him kicked out of heaven. See, when you decrease, when you humble yourself or willingly give up control and submit to God, uh, according to the word of God, the word of God says that you will be rewarded and you will be exalted. Say exalted. The word literally uses that word. You will be exalted. You will be raised up. Amen. Amen right pride comes before the what fall okay so this humbling yourself decreasing yourself the world would say man that's a loss but the kingdom of god says that's a gain that is a gain so the world will make you think that everything is a loss in the kingdom of god you got to you figure this this is the game plan of the enemy right right Oh, God surely didn't say you shouldn't eat of that. Well, God told you that because he didn't want you to be like him. Uh, Are you seeing the devil's fingerprints all over this? Go to Galatians 5. Galatians 5. Galatians 5. The enemy puts a question mark where there should be a period or an exclamation mark. Come on, somebody. Galatians 5. 16 and 17. Man, if you guys are this quiet on this part of it, you're really not going to like the other parts then. Oh my, this is going to be tough. I got to be plowing in the spirit here. Galatians 5, 16 through 17. And it says these words. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lust or wars, uh, desires against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Oh my. So the less flesh, more spirit. Less flesh, the more spiritual you're going to be. Less flesh, more power to overcome on this earth. Isn't that good to know? Holy Spirit power will only be manifested in your life through your spirit, never the flesh. The power of God begins in your spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. So you walk in the spirit. It's going to affect every area of your life. All right. So here we go. The next point of, of less is more in the kingdom of God. Is that mo- is that more uh, less words is more wisdom being demonstrated? Oh my my my! Say wisdom. wisdom. The less words, more wisdom. The less words, more wisdom. Go to Proverbs ten. Let me show you something here. Proverbs ten, verse nineteen here. This is, Proverbs is absolutely powerful. Amen. Amen. Look at this. It says, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But underline it. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Mm. Wisdom is connected with less words being spoken. You can never go wrong by keeping your mouth shut. But you can go wrong when you blab things out that you're going to regret. Are you following me? A good rule of thumb is this. If there are a multitude of words, especially when negative emotions are involved, you're not considering the negative impact and consequences of the spoken words, and it will lead to sin. All right, so here's what you got to do. You got to slow down. You find yourself in that situation, slow down, think it through, take some time, keep your mouth shut while you're in flesh mode, cool off, pray about it, then speak. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, it's so wise, isn't it? Listen to this. I love how the word of God uses the word restrain. Say restrain. Restrain. In connection to spoken words. Restrained is defined as this. Listen to this. To prevent oneself from displaying or giving way to a strong urge or emotion. To prevent oneself. I love that. To prevent oneself. See, here's what you need to know. You have control of your own spirit. Some people, you know, they just, you know, vomit out all these words. They're like, I just couldn't help it. Yeah, you could. You just didn't want to. Amen. Now, even if you have, listen to this. Here's something you need to know. Here's a deliverance tip. Even if you have a demonic spirit on the inside of your body or soul, you can still override that urge and compassion or uh, compulsion. You can still override that emotion, that strong compulsion, by your own free will. That's why in Galatians 5, it's the works of the flesh and not the works of the devil. I say it all the time. It's the works of the flesh because you have control whether you're going to give in to that influence or not. Amen? So you can't blame it on the devil even if you have a demon spirit on the inside of you. Some of you are like... "Mm." He just served that tennis ball back to me now. (laughs) Amen. Here we go. The next point. The next point of less is more in the kingdom of God. Oh, this is a good one. Is less empty words in prayer will result in more prayers being answered. Less empty words in prayer will result in more prayers being answered. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Oh, you hear it all the time. Oh, I've been, I prayed so much. I prayed for hours on this. Yeah, the problem is they're empty words. And they don't mean a hill of beans in the kingdom of God. If you're trying to receive. I mean, you can pour your heart out to God if you have emotions. But if you're trying to receive from God, the word of God is very clear. It's not in the multitude of words. It's in the power of the words. Look at this. Matthew 6, 5 through 8. Jesus said these words. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, here it is, underline it, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like unto them. For your Father knows the things that you have need of in prayer before you ask Him. And then he goes on and talks about the Lord's Prayer. But Jesus taught us not to make a show of prayer to be seen or not to have the wrong motive for doing it. Amen? Now, some people totally take this out of context and they say, see, you're not supposed to go out in public and pray at the. No, that's not what Jesus is saying at all. Are you following me? That doesn't mean you're not supposed to go and pray it in public. He is warning us not to have the wrong motive for, for putting on a show to be seen and heard, acting like you're more spiritual than someone else. It's all about motive. Everything in the, in the new covenant comes down to your motive in the kingdom of God. Your heart motive. Everything is about your heart. Everything is about the mo- motive. Amen. And then Jesus instructs us not to use vain repetition or in other words, don't use empty words that don't have any faith or here it goes, right? People want to just stop right there words that don't have faith, but I'm going to take it a step further and say to those who have no intimacy with their heavenly father in the, in a relationship. Here's what you got to do. Some people are trying to work up faith, but they don't have an intimate walk with the Lord. Right. Here's what I'm here to tell you you have intimacy, faith is going to be a byproduct of that intimacy. Yeah. You don't have to try working up faith when you're in intimate walk with God. Right. Are you following me right now? You getting this? Because yes. this is important. If you have intimacy, you have the faith. It's just going to happen. You, it's impossible to have that true intimate walk with the Lord, and it's not going to ignite into faith. Amen? It's all about remaining in that secret place of intimacy and heartfelt uh, faith in your Christian walk. Amen? So Jesus is saying, don't use empty words. Don't use empty words. The words have to mean something to you on the inside. There needs to be that connection between heaven and earth if that connection isn't there so empty words means you can look spiritual you can look good but if that connection really isn't there you're not you're not locked in are you following me are you getting you know what i mean when i say that you're not locked in you you're you're really not believing what you're saying because there's no intimacy there it's more of just kind of a religious right to you lord or, or to the lord Hail Mary, full of grace. Amen. Open up to your Psalter hymnal to page 342. We're going to read. Come on. God wants relationship. That's where the power's at. Amen. Amen. You can rip that out and use it as a napkin then. You know what I mean? If it if it, if there's no relationship attached to it, are you following me? So, many words with wrong motive and a lack of focus. See, when there's no intimacy, guess what? There's no focus in your prayer life. Are you following me? If there's not that intimacy, right? Like th- I mean, in, in, that can happen in a marriage even, right? If you don't have that intimacy, you're not really listening. You're like, you know, your husband or wife says something to you. You're like, yeah, well, okay, yeah, 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 whatever. But if there's that intimacy, there, there's a connection. You're locked into them. You're locked into them. That's what God wants. He wants us to be locked into him. Amen? Committed to him. Uh, so many words with the wrong motive and a lack of fo- focus. They're, they're ineffective. It's a waste of time. Those prayers, I'm telling you right now, will not be answered. All right? A prayer with 10 words that's powerful is more effective than a 100-word prayer. Amen? So, um, now, so, less words will produce more results. You just, I want you to get this in your head today. Sometimes less is more. Sometimes less. It, it comes down to this. Ready? Quality, not quantity. Quality, not quantity. You know, I mean, some people, you know, they they can spend five hours at home, and, and they think they're they're really connecting with the Lord, and or they're you know whatever, but they're not. But then you got someone who really takes fifteen minutes a day, thirty minutes a day, where they're locked in. They're locked. That's more beneficial than the five hours of the other one. Are you following me? Yes. Hallelujah. Now, so the next point of less is more in the kingdom of God is this. Is less of the wrong and toxic people in your life will produce more fruit. All right. Remember that message I did in the past? And maybe a couple of years ago, a year and a half or so. It was called cut the suckers off. I love that title cut the suckers off and really i'm talking about those small branches that grow on trees They suck out the nutrients, right? And when you cut the suckers off That nutrients can be rerouted in the right direction and be a blessing to that branch. Amen All right now, um go with me to first corinthians 5 Now, I'm, I'm going to drop something on you here. And let me just start by saying this is New Testament, all right? <laughs> this is New Testament. Last I checked, my job is to preach the whole word. You get it, right? I want to show you something here. This is, a, this is not necessarily a barn burner behind pulpits, but it's again, it's in the New Testament. I want to show you something that the Holy Spirit showed me here. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. He said, I wrote to you in my epistle, the word epistle means letter, not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of the world or with the covetousness, or extortioners, or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. Listen to this. This is strong stuff here. You ready? But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother or Christian, who is sexually immoral or covetous. Or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner. No, not even to eat with such a person. Listen to this. For what have I to do with judging those, uh, those also who are outside? Do, not, do you not judge those who are inside? Meaning unbelievers versus Christians. But those who are outside God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. Now, this is. listen to me now. Again, like I said, this is not necessarily barn burner. This is not going to sell probably a whole bunch of books at a Barnes & Noble here. But, but I want you to notice a few important points that the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, tells us. He tells us not to keep company with a person that is named a brother. He's talking about believers within the body of Christ. That it, That's another way of saying... That someone who considers themselves a Christian. Are you following me? Listen to this. All right. So, Paul clarified that he's not talking about the unsaved because we're called to connect with them and preach the gospel to them. Are you getting it? That's the whole Great Commission going out into the world and preaching Jesus. That's why Jesus ate with sinners. But he wasn't eating with them to be buddies with them. He was eating with them to influence them. To bring truth to them. Are you you getting it? But here's the problem. Oh, this is what the body of Christ has to get right now. The moment someone calls themselves a Christian and they're involved in a lifestyle. I said a lifestyle of willful sin. They are refusing counsel and wisdom from leaders or other Christians. The Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, commands us. He said, don't even eat with that person. Wow. Now that goes over like a lead balloon in this, right? Well, one in the bunch. (laughs) What I'm trying to get across is this. When you put the Christian label on yourself, you're fair game to be judged by other believers. If you put your name, you, you call yourself a Christian, come on, you are opening yourself. You know, A lot of people say, well, don't judge me, don't judge me, blah, 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 don't judge me. Well, the, word's, the word of God says to judge those that were, are within. In fact, if we, how are we able to decide who we're hanging out with without making a judgment call? Are you following me? So that whole don't judge me thing is, you know, some people say don't judge me only God will and I said, well that you know that should concern you a little bit more than me judging you. Right? Now, listen to this. So an unsaved person in the world is doing what they who they are. They're a sinner. They still have that sin nature in their spirit man. They're just doing who doing who they are. Amen. But a Christian has had that sin nature washed away in their spirit, man. Right? But a backslidden Christian has failed to renew their mind with the word. Are you following me? So there's no excuse for the Christian, the unbeliever. You see someone who's not saved. You know what? Don't be offended by it. They're just being who they are. They don't have the power to overcome that sin because they don't have Christ in their life. On the other hand, a Christian, mm, no excuse. You have no excuse except for they are spiritually lazy and not willing to deal with their junk. A Christian knows better, an unbeliever does not. That's what Paul is trying to say here. Paul says, the Christian that is tangled up in sin and refuses to change, avoid them, ignore them until they come back and repent. Now, listen to me here. Here we go. Now, there are a couple reasons why we are to do this. This is what the Holy Spirit showed me on this. Because I'm like, wow, that's pretty hard, Lord. That's hard. But he said, this is why we, I had to put that in my word. Listen to this. First, so that person will hit rock bottom and repent and be welcomed back into the fold. Amen. Secondly, their negative and sinful actions will eventually creep into the church and influence other Christians to backslide. Are you following me? That's where the Word of God says a little leaven, a little yeast in that bread. You don't need much. It's going to raise the whole lump. Are you following me? That's why I said, I posted all the time, that a local church is for primarily for believers. It's a fellowship of believers. And that's why Paul can talk so, talk so strong about that. About who you're letting into the church. Those that are you know, rebellious and, and, and uh, you know, causing problems and all that. You can actually kick someone out of a church. Did you know that? Many people think a church is just public property. They can come in and do whatever they want. No, 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 no. God has given us authority to be able to kick someone out of a fellowship. You know what that's called? Accountability. Are you following me? So this goes over like a lead balloon. All right. Now, do unbelievers come in? Do they hear the gospel? Do we get people saved? Absolutely. But the main thrust of a local church is a fellowship of believers. That's the main thrust of a local church, whether you like it or not. You know, the evangelism primarily takes place outside of these four walls. That's where the evangelism primarily takes place. Amen. The church is a place to build disciples, get them saved out there. Bring them in here. We'll grow them up spiritually. Amen? Amen? That's the order. That's what a local church is. So are you seeing the importance in godly wisdom in that connected to that command? Do you see it? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, you one person. Okay. Wow. Powerful. Woo! On fire! <laughs> now, Listen to this. So, in fact, so, so Paul said God judges the ones that are outside, the unsaved, but we as Christians are to judge those that call themselves, when they put that name tag on, as Christian, that we are we are to judge those when the fruit of that confession is not evident. Did you just hear me? We're to judge them when the fruit of that confession that they belong to Jesus Christ, but something's not lining up here. We are to judge that. Amen. So many Christians have it backwards. All right. Listen to this they ignore ministering to the unsaved and they become buds with the backslidden Christians that refuse to repent of their sin. Right? Oh, my. Oh, we welcome all the backsliders, right? Oh, they're doing everything they want to do. But the moment an unbeliever walks in here, everyone's offended. Oh, 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 homosexuals here in our church today. Are you following me? Think about it. So that scripture, listen to this, the scripture in Revelation 3 15, 3, 15 through 16, where God says, because you're neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm, he said, I will spew or vomit you out of my mouth. The Holy Spirit spoke to it. Have you ever thought about that verse? It's like, wow, that's powerful. What does that mean? Listen to this. This is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, backslidden Christians are lukewarm because of this. You ready? They have hot spiritual talk by calling themselves a Christian, but they're freezing cold in their works for him in obedience. That's why it's lukewarm. Hot talk, cold actions, lukewarm. Wow. Yeah. Think about that. Isn't that something? Now, listen to this. So, th- he said this. They are misrepresenting Jesus Christ. And that's why God is saying, he's saying, I wish you were hot, or I wish you were fully cold, all right? Not lukewarm because you're misrepresenting me. You're talking the talk and you're not walking the walk. I'd rather you're cold, I'd rather you're full hot. I would rather that your words and your, and your actions match up. Whether you're cold, both are cold, you're cold. Everyone can see it. No, oh. I'd rather you're hot and be hot and be hot. But you got someone who's out, you know, whatever, hitting drugs and, and doing all this stuff. And they're sitting there, they're, they're, they're smoking the reefer, and they're witnessing to people. Right. Yeah. They're witnessing to people in their home watching porn three hours a day. That's why God says, I wish you were either cold or hot. Because this lukewarm thing, you're misrepresenting me. Are you following it? So less, listen, so less of the wrong and toxic people in your life, the more fruit you're going to produce, because that hindrance must be cut off in your life. Their toxic spiritual condition negatively affects and destroys and will eventually kill your fruit. Now, I'll move on from that. Everybody, take a deep breath right now. Hold it in. You made it through. Congratulations. Now, let's move on. So here we go. Joshua and Caleb found out real quick that more people doesn't necessarily mean more powerful. Oh, come on. In Numbers 13, 12 spies were sent into the promised land to scope it out. And ten came back with a negative and an evil report. And Joshua and Caleb, the only two, came back with a good, positive, faith-filled report. Go with me to numbers, Numbers 13. Let's travel through the Old Testament a little bit. Amen? Numbers 13. Listen to me. More people doesn't mean it's necessarily more powerful. Numbers 13, 26 through, I'm not going to tell you. Just follow along. (laughs) Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land, the promised land, that they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, meaning there were giants in the land. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, And the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell in the the sea along the banks of the Jordan. That's a lot of ites right there. Now, uh, verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, Here's the others. We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. That's the difference between a spiritual mindset and an earthly mindset right there. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature, meaning they're huge. That's how we can overcome these people. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in their sight, and we were in, and so we're, we were in their sight. So perspective, say perspective perspective is everything when you come up with a situation perspective is everything listen the majority is not always right never base whether it's god or not on a majority in your life you have a problem in your life you ask 10 people the you know whatever now you better go to the word of god and get wisdom on it amen Listen, if that was the case, the children of Israel would have never entered the promised land if they listened to the majority of the ten. They never would have done it. Sometimes less is more. Sometimes less, come on, is God working. Look at Numbers 14. Numbers 14, verses 1 through, well, you'll see. Now, (laughs) so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. Look how your negative words, your negative faithless report affects people. Totally takes the faith right out of them. Come on. And, the, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness... Why has the Lord brought us to this land to f- fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? They want to go back to slavery. Wow. So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, leaders have it bad sometimes. Oh, they have it bad. Oh my boy, leaders can have some tough times, can't they? They wanted to pick a new leader that would take them back to slavery. Now, my goodness. Here we go. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of uh, Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If, catch this, underline all of this. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. (laughs) They wanted to kill Moses and Aaron. and Or, I'm sorry, well, yeah, they wanted to kill the leaders too, but they wanted to kill Caleb and Joshua for being positive. (laughs) And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the meeting before all the children of Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disherit them. And I will make of you a great nation greater and mightier than they. Uh, God was pretty ticked off. Listen, the, like I said, the majority wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb because they had the eyes of faith to see victory, because they had that positive report. And, and Joshua told them some very important keys that we need to take hold of for our personal life and as a church. Amen? Listen to this. If the Lord delights in them, he will bring them into that land victoriously over their enemies. Do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear your enemies. Those three things right there. If you will please the Lord, come on. If you will please the Lord, don't rebel against him. Be a doer of the word, and don't fear your enemies. You will always walk in victory in your life. If we will take hold of that. Now, so, sometimes less is more. Gideon's army. Anybody know about Gideon? Gideon's army went from 32,000 men in the army down to 300 people to fight in an enemy, an enemy army of 135,000 people. From 32,000 down to 300. Now, here's what they did. Are you ready for this? They didn't fight stronger They fought with wisdom and obedience to the instructions that God gave them. See, it's not about strength, it's about wisdom. Amen? It was a supernatural victory that was way less men than their enemy. So, obedience to the instructions in the Word of God and individually from the holy spirit when he when the holy spirit tells you to do something you better obey it because the holy spirit's looking out he knows best amen amen, amen. John go to John 6:53 John 6:53 you tired you ready to go Did I hear a yes in there anywhere no. okay no oh I did oh. all right careful I'll give you the left foot of fellowship come on now <laughs> John 6, John 6, Kenneth Hagin always used to say that when he got kicked out of a church, you know, for being a word of faith and stuff. Hell, they gave me the left foot of fellowship. <laughs> John six fifty three. Here we go. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. That's why occultists sacrifice people. It's a counterfeit of the real of Christ. Are you following me? It's a mockery of Christianity. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Here we go, listen. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, Said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then, if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Follow me here. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said this to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. From that time, say from that time, time. from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to leave? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Jesus spoke a truth, didn't he? He spoke a hard truth and, and it thinned out the crowd quite a bit, didn't it? Here's what you got to understand. Spoken truth will separate the believers from the true disciples that are truly locked in. Those that are truly plugged in and connected, those that are truly plugged in will stay plugged in and connected no matter what comes the way. Amen? We need less opinions and more truth of the Word of God. Amen? Sometimes, listen to this. Here's a hard truth that a lot of people don't understand. Are you ready for this? Here we go. Listen, sometimes there needs to be a thinning out of the multitude that aren't on board or in unity with what the Holy Ghost is doing in a local church. And in your life personally. Amen. Listen, here's here's what I want to say. That is why if someone decides they want to leave this church, are you ready for this? I will never chase after someone and beg them to come back. Now, I may call them up, check on them. Hey, how are you doing? You know, we miss you. But I will never beg someone to come back. Amen. If they want to leave, that's, that's, hey, this is not a prison. Amen. See, it's not that I don't love or like that person, but I understand this. I understand the biblical principle of unity in a fellowship. And we want the power of God to flow. Amen. Amen. Sometimes the multitude needs to get thinned out Amen Now i'm not saying I want people to leave But all i'm saying is if someone's not on board with the vision and what the holy spirit is doing And they feel led to connect somewhere else then they got to be led to do that. Amen Now the anointing flows through unity not through disgruntled church members That's been baptized in pickle juice. Come on. Amen Amen Right Now, listen to this. Another example of a crowd thinning out for the power of God to freely flow is in the upper room. Jesus told 500, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And 120 showed up. Listen, 120 serious and spiritually hungry and obedient people showed up. And guess what? They were blessed by it. Amen. Amen. So I'm here to tell you right now, many times in the kingdom of God, less is more and more uh, anointing and more Holy Ghost power. Quality, not quantity. Quality, not quantity. Um, So we need to declutter our thought life. Go to Colossians 3 here. Colossians 3. I mean, you you really do have to have a spiritual mindset for that, right? I mean, (laughs) it's never fun to watch someone leave, you know, whatever. But at the same time, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. If someone's not happy, right, go somewhere where you're going to be happy. Amen? Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. All right. So if you will declutter your thought life, say declutter. Clutter. I love that word. All right. Declutter your thought life and focus on things above fear, doubt, and unbelief. They will have no place to land in your soul. Okay. The secret to walking in the anointing power and promises of God is focus, which includes meditating on the word of God. As you heard me say last week, now, How many times have you ever prayed the prayer, Lord, take me higher, Lord, take me higher, right? We all have, haven't we? The Holy Spirit, I was praying that one day and the Holy Spirit spoke this to me. He said the only possible way to go higher spiritually is to set or fix your mind on things above. That's the only way to do it. It's a thought life issue. All right, the moment your thought life or mind comes back down to the earthly or limited natural realm You just lowered yourself spiritually and you hindered the ability and power of the holy ghost to intervene. Amen All right So we must stay when you're staying spiritually minded and setting your your mind on things above You're you're staying in that all things are possible mode. That's what you're doing. Okay, real quick go to malachi 3 malachi 3 the next point of less is more in the kingdom of God is the giving, of tith- uh, giving to the kingdom of God and tithes and offerings. Now, I, I, I said a while back, I said, man, I could pray." count on my fingers how many times I preached on giving in the last year. So today is one of those finger times today. Amen? The Holy Spirit wanted me to cover this briefly here. Malachi 3, 10 through 11. Hold on. We're getting there. You guys all right? Talk amongst yourselves a moment. All right. This is one that is not open very much, Malachi, or Malachi as some call it. Now, Malachi 3, 10 through 11. And it says this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour, you out, pour out for you such a blessing that there's not room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fall, uh, fail. To bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Now, what you think, this is what the Holy Spirit wants me to get across about giving, okay? Is what you think is a loss to you financially when you give to the kingdom of God is actually making room and producing more blessings to come into your life. Now, here's the thing. Um, you're in sowing and reaping mode when you're giving. Farmers don't store up and hold seed, do they? What do they do? They plant it because they're looking forward for a harvest. Amen? Now, here's what you got to understand here. Tithing. People say, well, tithing is under the law an Old Covenant. Wrong. Look it up for yourself. Tithing actually began in, uh, before the Old Covenant, before the law was even introduced. Genesis 14, 20, it started in. All right, so it's a command and a principle that's not been done away with under the new covenant. Okay, right? god just added this to the new covenant do it cheerfully Be a cheerful giver. That's all He didn't have to mention in the new testament testament because it was before the old covenant It was in the time of abraham. Are you following me? And remember this the holy spirit reminded me of this about giving a covenant is a two-way street It's an agreement between two parties, amen? One of our parts in this covenant is in the area of giving, amen? Giving to the kingdom of God God with tithes, which is 10%, offerings, and giving to the poor or alms, amen? So, you know, many if you believe that tithing's been done away with, then guess what? To stay congruent in that thinking, you would have to believe that giving to the poor has been done away with too then. Are you following me? It hasn't been done away with. No. Listen, I'm not money hungry for your money. But I'm giving you a principle of what the kingdom of God says. Amen? Oh, man, you go in someone's wallet, boy. They're going to have a fit. Right? No one's forcing you to give here. Amen? We pass the plate. We don't choke you for your money. Amen? Now, so... um. But, you know, it, it does come down to this. I always tell people they have a problem with giving, tithing, whatever. You know, I always say, I'll say from this pulpit every time, I'll say, you know what? A faithful Christian that's serious about advancing the kingdom of God and gospel of Jesus Christ, honestly, you should probably be given more than 10% by the time it's all said and done anyways. 10 right. percent's just a minimum. Amen. Right? I mean, if you're truly committed, you're going to give to the work of God, whether it's here, other ministries, giving to the poor. Amen. All right, so don't ever forget you can never outgive God. Amen. Now, I want to end on this one right now. Plus, I want to be in God's economy, not this earthly economy. Amen. <laughs> Tithing and giving to the kingdom puts you in His heavenly economy. Here we go. The last point of less is more in the kingdom of God, is this. Less focus on your needs and more focus on the kingdom of God and His righteousness will, re, will release provision into every part of your personal life. All right? Go with me. We'll end it on this. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I mean, whether you give to this church or not, guess what? I'm still going to preach the gospel anyways. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So don't think you're shutting me up if you're not giving. That ain't going to happen. Now, here we go. Matthew 6, 25. He says this. Jesus said, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value, of more value than they? Don't tell Peter this, okay? Which of you, <laughs> by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven or fire... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Remember, Christians are different. We don't seek things, we seek Him. Amen? Amen? For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But here's the key. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So church, shift your focus and energy into seeking the word of God, seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I want to encourage all of you. Just listen. Take an inventory of all your belief system and ask yourself, is there something I believe, I'm i believing that's more worldly-focused, what the world believes, more than that the Word of God is teaching? Amen? Amen? God knows best. And there are many things in the kingdom of God that reveal this, that less equals more. Let's stand up in this place. Hallelujah. Prayer team, come forward. Now, maybe there's someone in here today. You're not born again. You've never made Jesus Lord of your life. I, I want to give an opportunity to you to come to this altar and make Jesus Lord of your life. Listen, if you're feeling that tug and drawing, just come and do it. Obey that nudge. Amen? Now, I'm also going to say those that are backslidden, okay? Those that have fallen away. You need to rededicate your life to the Lord. You need to cut the things out of your life that is killing your good fruit. Amen? And you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. Come on down this morning. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism and speak in other tongues, and you have problems speaking in tongues, whatever, come down. We want to minister to you today. You need prayer for anything else, come on down. And boy, I kept you 13 minutes over. No, I'm not giving you that back next week, okay? But anyways, I do want to let you guys know real quick, uh, the church has purchased a new sign for in front of the church. All right. So um, it's an LED sign. It's going to be beautiful. So um, it's uh, with everything right now that's into it is about twenty nine thousand two hundred. So if anybody feels led, uh, we put down eleven thousand, I believe. Uh, if anybody feels led, they want to give to that project. You know, whenever you give just write on there, it's for the sign. So whatever you guys do, God's going to provide. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, visitors. Thank you, everyone, for coming. We love you all. And Marianne and I are going to head down to the door. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you have your communion cups, just take them in the back, throw them in the garbage. That's perfect. All right. Thank you. All right. God bless you all. See you at the door.